Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, team. Welcome to everyone today on this Queen's birthday weekend. It's a great, great time to meet and worship our God, eh? Praise you, God. Yeah, man, the name of Jesus is so powerful and uh, brings life. And I can testify to that from my own experience many times. But I know that without the precious name of Jesus, I wouldn't actually be here. And in fact, I would have been um, in heaven from 1988 onwards. So uh, I can testify that it's only by the name of Jesus and also the people in this church, my parents and the other faithful prayers that were at this church at the time, that uh, it was only because of that, trusting in God, that I didn't go to heaven. Because, you know, that's, that's what Satan would have loved. That would have been... His ultimate goal is, is to get people into hell, but if he can't do that, he'll try to get them off to heaven as quickly as possible. And uh, then what happens is the, you, you miss things that God had planned for you. And I would have only been 18 then, so... Uh, so I would have missed virtually everything. But praise God, God is bigger than that. <laughs> and tough luck, Satan. <laughs> tough luck for you. <laughs> you know, back in the 1980s and 1990s, yeah, good times. Remember that there was, for the people that were alive back then, Remember, and, and I was one of them, you know there was a lot being said in Christian circles about the rapture and the mark of the beast. Do you remember that? And not being left behind, all that kind of stuff. And there were books written about it, and they were really good books, actually, and there were good movies about it as well. And it's true that God, Jesus is coming back. It really, he really is. He really is. And it is good to look for Jesus' return. But there are some important truths that we need to make sure we, we don't overlook. Ephesians 5.27. I've got quite a few scriptures today. So if you've got your Bible, open, feel free to open it up. Otherwise, uh, maybe note them down. Ephesians 5.27 says, and, uh, it says that he, that's Jesus, might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. It's a glorious church. He's coming back for a glorious church. Without any spots or wrinkles. So n no blemishes, nothing. And holy, holy. Who's Jesus wife going to be? That's right. Correct. The church. Absolutely. And Isaiah 54, 5 says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. Isn't that awesome? That's so exciting. You know, God's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, holy, without blemish. And Jesus is the head of the church, isn't he? 
Now I want to go back to the beginning in Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, said, let us make man in our image, in our image. And, he said, and they said, according to our likeness, let them have dominion. You know, God made us according to his image and in his likeness. And the interesting thing is that God is creative. He just had spent a whole bunch of time making what we call earth now and the heavens. And boy, what a lot of detail he put into it, eh? It wasn't just, oh, I'll paint that bit blue. And then if you walk up to it, it's just a sort of scungy-looking blue. There's intricate detail. There is, and, and even it's been mathematically proven that, uh, you know, it goes down to the tiniest, minutest part that, that there is incredible intricate detail in every part of his creation. Trees, plants, animals, mountains, seas, ecosystems, as our world calls them. But God created all of that, and it all flows, and it all, it all flows perfectly. But, you know, because he's made us in his image and his likeness, that means that we're creative too. And every word that we say creates something. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's actually really quite profound. That means that everything we say, even in moments of frustration or moments of happiness, anytime, they're creative and they're on an assignment. Our words create either death or life. You know, Jesus even confirmed that in Mark eleven twenty three. I won't read the whole verse, but it says, he who believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. So in Genesis 1, 28, God said to man, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. You know, God said that he made man to fill the earth, and what are those two other things? To subdue it and have dominion. Psalm 8.2 says, Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have ordained strength, or praise, because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So there's a couple of things here. Out of the mouths, out of your mouth. And, and what, what happens then? Silencing the enemy. Silencing the avenger. So we can silence the enemy with our mouths by what we allow to come out of our mouths. Why do you think we have power over the enemy? Well, God's given that to us, right? I want to explain some stuff to you, though. Psalm 8.5 says, For you have made him, this is talking about man, 
In the New King James Version, it says, You have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, if we're talking about our place of authority, we know that Jesus said, um, I've given you authority, right? So this verse possibly contradicts that. But actually, it, <laughs> this is really interesting. Because if we, if we were made lower than the actual angels, we couldn't possibly have authority over them, could we? That doesn't make sense, does it? No. So, in Psalm 8.5, the word angel actually is, in the original Hebrew, Elohim. It says, which, which means almighty God. So this changes the whole meaning of this verse. So if we read it again, for you have made him a little lower than Elohim. That's uh, quite amazing, isn't it? How do you think Satan feels about that? No. You know, before he fell, he was known as Lucifer. He was actually close to God. And he, along with Michael and Gabriel, the three archangels, were there. They were the highest-ranking angels. And so they were, they were directly under God, I guess you could think of it as being. And then God had this plan to create man in his image and likeness. Was Satan made... Was Lucifer and Michael and Gabriel made in God's image and likeness? No, they weren't. They weren't. So, when, when Lucifer realized that God was going to make man to be in his, God's image and likeness, to be a little lower than God but greater than Lucifer, he was not happy about it. He didn't like the fact that God had decided to make man a whole new created being in God's image and likeness. He didn't like that at all. And that's at least part of the reason why, if you can grasp that, why he has such a profound and deep hatred for mankind. He hates you. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how bad you are, how good you are. He, doesn't, he, he hates you and wants to destroy you. And that's why it says in John 10.10 that he's only out there to steal and kill and destroy. But you know who brings life? Jesus. In abundance. And so where I'm leading to is this, the Great Commission. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19-20, All authority has been given to me, Jesus said, in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Why would he say that? It's because he is the head of the church and we are his body. He told us to go. Praise Jesus. So Luke 10, 18 to 19. This is really interesting, actually, because I'll just turn to it in here. Luke. 10, 18 to 19. 
Jesus is speaking, and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So that's when he got booted out for his rebellion. Interesting how Jesus said that and then immediately said, Behold, I give you the authority. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. (laughs) Praise you, Jesus. There's a powerful truth in that. And that is this. Jesus has delegated to us his authority over all the power of the enemy. He's delegated it to us. Whether we choose to use it is up to us. And that's why there are a lot of Christians that kind of get trampled sometimes. I know the devil's out there to kill, steal and destroy. He's going to attack us. But what are we going to do about it? That's the thing. So God's given us a two-pronged responsibility. One of them is forcibly, forcibly, Take back authority and dominion from Satan. He stole it. He stole it. And we need to wrest it back from him. That means forcibly take it. That is not yours. I'm taking it back. And if you want to check that out, check out Mark 16, verses 15 to 18. So the first one is we need to forcibly take back our authority and walk in it and step into it. The second thing is make disciples of nations. You know, when we forcibly take our authority back from the kingdom of darkness, we're going to see souls saved anyway. We're going to see that happen. Because... The, the works of darkness are things like sickness, disease, poverty, sin, destruction. And if we forcibly take it back, then those things will be destroyed. That's exciting. That's really exciting. And then we'll see more and more miracles and more and more healings happening in those cases. So we need to do both of these things. So how does that relate to the glorious church? I want, you, I want to go to Revelation 19.7. <laughs> this is a good scripture. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Revelation 19.7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come The Lamb is our Lord Jesus Christ. And his wife has made herself ready. So it says that his wife has made herself ready. It doesn't say that God has made us ready. It doesn't say Jesus made us ready. It says that we got ourselves ready. So that's our responsibility. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's no sort of fast food Christianity. You can't just do a drive through with Christianity and hope for just some fast way to make it work. 
you actually have to put some effort in. So it doesn't work well with today's society where everything's quick and fast and instant because with God, you've got to put a bit of effort in. So we have the responsibility to make ourselves ready for the return of Jesus Christ, don't we? He's not coming back until we've made ourselves ready. He's coming back for a glorious church. That's what he said. And so he won't come back until the church, the body of Christ, is glorious, holy, without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle, taking back the authority that God has given us over the kingdom of darkness. (laughs) Yeah, so the buck stops with us. And it's up to us to recognize and take up the authority that he's given us and use it. Use it. Step into it. Choose to step into it. Use it every day to take back what the devil's stolen. Get angry in a righteous way with the devil. Don't put up with his rubbish because he'll keep trying to throw it at us. But we need to have a firmness of mind. We need to make sure that we know for for a fact that we're not going to allow the enemy to win. And that's something about our church, I think, is that we're pretty good at being absolutely deciding that nothing's going to push us over. That's what I love about our church. We're not pushed around but I think we can do more. I think we can do better. Don't you? Because I'd like to see the glory fall in our, in our service so that I can't even stand to preach, like was said in Chronicles. I want to reach that day where people come in the door and fall over. I want to come in, I want to be here at the day where people need to turn up half an hour early if they want to have a seat. hours early (laughs) I want to have I want to see a time where this place is filled with the Holy Spirit and the angels are lining the outside of the round of this auditorium praise the Lord we've seen some amazing visions lately Pastor Peter's been having some and just a few weeks back, he saw, do you mind if I say? He saw, uh, at some point in the service, he saw what appeared to be an angel on its knees, and he saw the upper, from about here up, eh, come through the back of that, just through the top part of that screen, and he had to lean over, and his head came over, and was about here. That's how big the angel was. And it had its wings out. And it was around the side here, and the other one was around here. Wow, we're seeing stuff like that in here. We need to keep pressing in. We need to keep focusing our life on Jesus Christ and not allowing the world to distract us. 
and take up that authority that we have a right to. You know, Matthew eleven twelve says, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Let me explain that. The word suffer means to cause or compel or, and call forth. The kingdom of heaven calls forth violence and the violent take it by force. So what that means is that we're violently taking back from the devil what he's stolen from us. Absolutely. We're taking what he's stolen back by force. We have a right to do that. You need to get stirred up. Because the devil wouldn't like nothing more for us to be soft, weak, self-absorbed, focused only on ourselves and our little family, useless to the kingdom of God. The devil would like nothing more than for us to be filled with fear and anxiety. He wants to confuse us. He wants to deceive us. He wants us to not get revelation. He wants us to be led astray. He wants us to distract us. But what we need to do is we need to forcibly take things back from him and make him retreat and lose ground. Honestly, we need, if, if you're not sure that this is true, you need to do some study on it in your own time and really get that revelation because God wants us to be a glorious church and part of that means we're not beaten down by the devil. Don't you agree? <laughs> I want him retreating. And this is another thing too. God doesn't stand at the pearly gates sweating, worried, oh, I hope we get some more today. <laughs> oh, phew, another one into the body of Christ. <laughs> God is almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. He doesn't tremble at, at <laughs> what Satan does. <laughs> he sure does not. He's not the God that's hoping for the best and planning for the worst. <laughs> no. He's not afraid of the kingdom of darkness. Do you know what he's doing? He is. He's waiting for us to step into that authority that God has given us. It's, his intention is for man to take its rightful place. If you think logically for a minute, I'm a fairly logical person. I like to think, in, which is not, not always helpful. It's not when you're trying to move in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so turn it off sometimes. But if you think about it, wouldn't God, wouldn't it make sense to you that if God's coming back for a glory, if Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, that part of that glorious church would be 
for man to be restored to the way it was meant to be. Not sort of half beaten down. Hey, wouldn't that make sense? That would make sense, wouldn't it? So we need to make a choice because he doesn't force us to do anything. And that's the cool thing about God is that he's made us in his image and likeness. That means we have a will to choose what we're going to do. Are you going to take up the call that he's given you or are you not? It's coming down to that. You know, it's only because of redemption through Jesus Christ that we have this authority. So without the redemptive work of Jesus dying on the cross, once and for all for us, we wouldn't have a chance of successfully doing the Great Commission at all. Galatians 3 to 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So knowing that we could never be good enough or right enough in God's eyes by our own works or deeds, Jesus became a willing sacrifice. I love how he did that for us. That's so cool. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18 to 19, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I do know that one key is praise. Praise is a key to silence the enemy. Psalm 8, 1 to 2 is for that, that one that I read before. Out of the mouths of babes, you have ordained strength. Another a translation for that is praise. Because of your enemies that you may silence them. Giving praise to God is so key. And it actually cleanses the atmosphere around us. Did you know that? We enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. So we actually go into God's presence. We need to go with thanksgiving and praise. Here's a couple of examples. 2 Chronicles 20, 21 to 22. This is King Jehoshaphat. He appointed those who could sing to the Lord. Okay, so they were, they were going through this little issue. And uh, so what he did was he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. That's cool, eh? What a cool technique, strategy. See, it's praise, and they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. I bet that's a shortened version of what they were saying. But he, they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And then it says, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of the enemies. And they were defeated. That's cool, eh? So when we praise, that opens this whole new thing of, of defeating the enemy. And I want to give you an example from Acts because that is our theme, although I haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> you know, uh, in Acts 16, 25 to 26, let me just go there. So what had happened was um, 
they were, Paul and Silas were jailed, and actually it wasn't really very fair. But do you know what? They didn't really complain. They didn't complain about that. They just, uh, verse 25 says, At midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What were they doing? Praising God. Praying, praising God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. <laughs> That's cool, eh? A little bit like the one I just read in Chronicles about they began to sing in praise and then the Lord set ambushes. Similar. This time there was a big earthquake and their chains were loosed. Now that doesn't make any sense at all to the logical mind, does it? Because uh, if, you've got, if you're shackled, which I think they were, yeah, their feet were fastened in stocks. So if they just opened, that is not just something that an earthquake would do, is it? That's supernatural. <coughs> Apologies. So praise is definitely a key. So always keep an attitude of praise and thanksgiving when you're up against any kind of battle. Well, it should really be part of your daily life. Obviously, prayer is another key. It's not an optional extra. Regular prayer is pivotal if we're going to push back the enemy. And James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This includes prayer to God, prayer for the sick, release. <coughs> Protection. All of that stuff. Provision. We need to make sure we're praying in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, it says in Hebrews 11.6. And do you know what another thing is that we can be doing? Is that we can be making declarations. Thank you. And we can send the host of heaven. Our uh, words are creative. Therefore, we can declare what we're believing for, like, like a prophetic doc declaration, actually. I like to do that. Declare things that are not as though they were. That's in Romans 4.17. That's what Abraham did. He was like 99 years old or something, and he had his son... <laughs> And it says that it looked impossible in the natural because his wife was like 90 as well and like nothing was working anymore. But it says in Romans 4.20, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. That's cool, eh? So we can declare, and I like to do that, and you should do that too. Make sure that you... Declare over your things that you're praying about. Declare in a prophetic way what, you, what you're believing for. Okay? And another thing, too, is that we can send the host of heaven as well. Now, let me explain a couple of things. The host of heaven are God's heavenly warrior angels, okay? Jesus is the Lord of hosts, it says in the Bible. Psalm 2410 is one of the scriptures that says that. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts is. And it talks in other places too 
about Jesus being the Lord of hosts. And so if he is the Lord of hosts and we're the body of Christ, doesn't that make sense then too? So if we are his body, that means we have authority too to send them and that can be a really useful tool for fighting back darkness. So what I mean by that is that we can, we can send the host out to go and destroy the works of darkness regarding things that we're praying about. So it's important that you learn to use that authority. I know we've done a seminar on that, haven't we, ages ago. I think it's probably time we do another one. About how to use your authority like that. So we do have guardian angels that look after us, but the heavenly host is God's warrior angels, okay, led by Michael, the archangel. Remember that we are the army of God, but the heavenly host are the warrior angels, like the spiritual force, which is exciting. So like back in the book of Acts, I just am astounded at how bold they were back then, how fearless they were, how courageous they were. They were fully engaged, you know. The amazing thing about that scripture I just read about Paul and Silas is this. This is how the enemy likes to work. It's quite funny. So they went to prayer. This, I'm just going to go back to Acts 16, verse 16. They went to prayer. So they went to the church, the temple. And there was a certain slave girl that was possessed with a spirit of divination. And she had masters that would profit by this. And the girl followed Paul and cried out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. So technically she was correct, but it wasn't the Spirit of God that was working through her, it was a demonic spirit. And it says, so they were very patient, because verse 18 says she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And she came out that very hour. But do you know what happened then? The masters that made all the money got really annoyed about that. And do you know what they did? They actually caused a bit of a riot. They stirred up the people against Paul and Silas, lied about them. How many times has that happened lately? You know, They lied about them seized them, oh, it says they even dragged them into the marketplace and to the authorities. And they said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us. That sounds like lies. Then the multitude rose up together against them. Isn't it amazing how when people get all stirred up, it's amazing, isn't it, how the devil will just kind of like really like create this really bad attitude and like, I don't know, just like a rioting atmosphere. <laughs> the, the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates, listen to this, they tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Charming. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. And despite that, Paul and Silas at midnight were praying and singing hymns to God. <laughs> That's actually really powerful, eh? 
They weren't saying, that is so unjust, we have been unfairly treated. They just said, they just prayed and sung hymns to God and then God moved mightily on their behalf. That's really exciting. So, linking back to the glorious church, the wife has made herself ready, it says in Revelations 19.7. So it's up to us. It says in uh, Romans 8.18-19, it's talking about a time where God's glory will be seen on the earth. It says... The, time, the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And it says, the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That's, a, that's very cool. I reckon that's exciting. As Father God, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I ask you to release your blessing and your goodness into the lives of these people in Jesus' name. Those who call Centre Church home and those who are visiting today, Lord, bless them. I declare healing, I declare life, I declare blessing, favor, I declare wisdom, I declare soundness of mind, I declare revelation, deliverance and protection over all of these people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for your everlasting love for us and for the revelation of your word in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We're going to have communion. We're going to have a time of communion. And uh, we'll have the band up for a bit because I want to be able to open up for a time of ministry as well. I think now's a perfect time to remember what Jesus did for us because Jesus, if it wasn't for what he did on the cross, we'd have, it, it would be so different. It would be so different. We're in a time of grace now, and uh, without what Jesus did, we wouldn't be in a time of grace, that's for sure. So when we take the bread and we take the juice, what we're doing is we're remembering Jesus' body broken for us, and we're remembering his blood spilt for us, and we're remembering that the the juice is like a representative of the, the blood of Jesus, which cl cleanses us, makes us clean and pure and, and whole again. So I'd like to invite you guys to come on up and uh, collect the communion emblems and then take them back to your seat and then we'll have it together in a few minutes.
Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, that your body was broken and that your blood was spilt for us. Lord, it all hinges on that, Father, and we're so thankful, God, that because of your pure sacrifice, no sin in the life of Jesus, because of that, it means that we have been made right with you again. And so we thank you, Father. We remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. We're so thankful for it, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your love in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. So, Lord, as we take this bread, we remember you. As we drink of this cup, we remember you as well, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Amen. Okay. So I want to open up uh, for a time of ministry, but... uh, I also know that if there's people here, which there might be, that haven't made a decision for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Poppy. I just want to uh, tell you that I think we could all admit that we've made mistakes. And it's those mistakes that are called sin. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from, from all of that. The cool thing is that when you make a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, doesn't suddenly mean you never sin. It just means your your sins have been washed away. And that's the cool thing about that. Because it says in Romans, it says that uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And wages are something that you earn um, and so when we, it, we're born with a sin nature, and so it just, it, making a decision to, to live for Jesus is the best thing you could ever do. I have no regrets whatsoever of making that decision, and there'd be a lot of people here that would feel the same. So if there is anybody that is wanting to make a decision to, become part of God's family I'd really like you to come and see me even if it's just a recommitment come and see me now up the front you know Jesus did so much for us so I think we should be able to admit when we need a make our life right with him and and be able to stand up and say so and come forward. It's kind of like the least we can do, really. So I want you to encourage you, come and see me. If, If you need any prayer of any kind, healing, fear, freedom from fear, deliverance, anything like that, any, any kind of uh, release from anything, please come forward, okay? The, uh, the band's going to sing, create an atmosphere of worship. So I just want to invite you, come forward for prayer now, and uh, 
And if you're wanting to, to go out, that's fine. Just remember, just we've got an atmosphere of worship in, in our church. So if you're wanting to, to go out or to chat, please do go out to the cafe. You're most welcome to go out there and uh, have something to drink. I want to bless you all. So I'll just pray for some people.